The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. Yo, hey, you're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling podcasts and boy did we have a wacky week of wrestling to talk about Uh, of course i give my reviews of raw smackdown nxt and aew dynamite this week but it was a little wacky and quirky with dynamite being on saturday and of course on saturday we had nxt takeover 30 so you'll hear my thoughts on that and then there was SummerSlam on sunday and i'll i'll review SummerSlam. We'll also be talking about Renee Young leaving WWE, and you'll get my thoughts on the Thunderdome. So you have all of that to look forward to on this DWO pod. Let's get going with the Drews and Notes. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. There are a couple of important pieces of information to cover in this Drews and Notes segment. So that is why we are starting out the show here with the announcement that Renee Young is leaving WWE. Now Renee uh, is one of the trailblazing women of WWE, especially outside of the ring. Um, Probably the most important non-WWE female wrestler that there has ever been. Um, It's interesting because she's such a uh, relevant person right now, but um, she really is a a, a path uh, trailblazer um, for other women in the industry. She um, posted on her Instagram that she's leaving WWE, and uh, last uh, pay-per-view, SummerSlam, was her final show, her final um, hurrah, her last hurrah, uh, as part of the WWE brand, and uh, she was on the kickoff show for SummerSlam. She didn't host it, which she's usually the host. She was more of a... uh, uh, color analyst, um, but uh, she's really like the Mean Gene Okerlund for women. She started out as a backstage announcer, and uh, she posted in her Instagram post that's been eight years. So she started out just as like a backstage interviewer, and then eventually rose to become the first female to call commentary on Monday Night Raw, which is huge. And she's the first female to be heard on WWE in Saudi Arabia. And um, just, uh, she's really done a lot with uh, WWE backstage and uh, really, really talented, really great at what she does, very good at hosting and... um, it is going to be a little bit of a bummer not seeing her. I was never a huge Renee Young fan, to be honest. Um, 
she always just wear wore wacky outfits. That's why I didn't really like Renee. But she's great at what she does. Her outfits just I was always like almost always like what the heck is she wearing? She has interesting style sense for sure. But Renee Young really uh really important female in WWE who never wrestled. Um, she uh talking smack. She did Talking Smack and really made that show with Daniel Bryan must-see television, although it wasn't on TV. It was on the WWE Network, but it was so good. And, you know, they brought back Talking Smack recently, um, along with Raw Talk, which were originally Renee Young shows. Um, and Renee's not hosting either one of them. I haven't seen either one of them either. Um, so I don't have any... Uh, anything to say about Raw Talk or uh, Talking Smack that returned. But Renee Young has really worn a lot of hats in WWE. And uh, she is a spectacular uh, energy and um, really knows how to steer the ship when things get off the rails. And backstage was good while it lasted. I think probably... Um, with somebody who's talented as Renee and what she does in hosting, that was the perfect uh, gig for her. But now that that is gone, I it, I think it pretty much uh, signaled the end for Renee because you can't just have her doing interviews backstage um, like she used to do. She's much more important role, and after she got moved off a of commentary. Um, although I don't think she was fantastic at commentary, she was never a commentator. So she's held her own. I mean, uh, she was on Raw with Michael Cole and Corey Graves, who at that point had years of experience, and Renee never call in live matches whatsoever. So it was really, um, she really did a good job for, um, you know, what she called the WrestleMania, um, the first woman to do that on commentary, and just... Yeah, really, really blazed the trail that uh, I think right now is going to go understated um, because she is still around and is still prevalent. Who knows if she'll do anything else in the wrestling world, but uh, congratulations and good luck to Ren Renee Young. The uh, other topic I wanted to talk about in this Drews and Notes section was the Thunderdome. WWE Thunderdome. Uh, we saw this uh, on uh, SmackDown. It was not on NXT uh, for TakeOver. And then it was... Uh, SummerSlam took place in the Thunderdome. So, Thunderdome is basically the pay-per-view set um, where it's like the uh, SmackDown entranceway, or at least the old SmackDown entranceway before they moved to Fox with the... Uh, the Octagon tentacle things, claws coming out, um, with the, uh, raw, uh, banner titantron, whatever you want to call it, um, and then, you know, the rampway, there's a whole bunch of lights, it's a lot of pyro, of course there's the ring, but above the ring is this, uh, screen, it looks like, with lights, um, coming down from it, um, and then, the Thunderdome audience projects uh, virtual, a virtual audience, so people can sign up to be in the audience, and then they'll show up behind the uh, 
announce table and behind the um, ring and uh, it'll be it has reactions kind of like how um, the NBA is doing it with the virtual fans although uh, I think it's a little weird I'm not a, a big advocate for the virtual fans I'd rather just see like nobody there uh, or seats or you know so it's just weird seeing people back there but they're like not really reacting to the match because they're probably obviously on a delay like they're watching it on stream or television then they're reacting and that's happening their reactions are happening like way after um what actually happens in the ring unless there's some sort of mechanism that WWE is using where you're a Thunderdome member so you're watching it on basically a live feed um I mean, it looks cool. It's visually pleasing. Um, but all the different people, it's just a lot like going on in the background. Um, it brings a little bit more to the presentation. There's now pyro for entrances, which is cool. And there's a uh, pyro that's put up for uh, um, near uh, on wherever the virtual fans are um, when the uh, superstars enter the ring and do... Uh, a pose or whatever facing the hard camera um, that sh regularly shoots the matches and shoots the ring. There's Pyro uh, behind them as well. So it's a cool uh, cool thing that they're doing. It's in the Amway Center, Amway Center, Amway Arena in uh, Orlando, Florida. Raw hasn't happened yet with the Thunderdome. Um, but SmackDown and SummerSlam... Yeah, it was pretty normal. It just, to me, seemed like a WWE show in an arena without fans. Um, so a little bit larger scale than the Performance Center. It was a nice little change-up to have these to, to be watching wrestling in WWE outside of the Performance Center. I think the Performance Center was getting pretty stale. And uh, so this is a new presentation, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be tweaks, and it'll just get better and better, but... Overall, pretty decent presentation, and uh, I look forward to seeing more wrestling in the Thunderdome. But we're going to move on here to my favorite moments in this week of wrestling in the What Drew Money segment. Raw this week did not come from the Thunderdome, but did have some production elements that were a little different that I enjoyed, at least in the first 30 minutes of the show, with uh, Retribution um, seeming to be controlling these uh, production changes where it was like different camera angles and um, different camera cuts and uh, stuff like that that makes it a fresher presentation. Um, so even though... Raw didn't, didn't come out of the Thunderdome. It did, um, at least for the first 30 minutes of the show, have a little bit fresher of a presentation and a unique presentation for what it was before. And uh, I think that really 
enhanced the first 30 minutes of the show because there really wasn't anything all that great that happened in the that 30 minutes. But still, uh, anything different, anything to just keep evolving um, is nice to see. Demi Burnett was on Raw again, and uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I like Demi Burnett from The Bachelor. Uh, I hope she continues being a character on the show and seeing uh, what she does. Um, But uh, let's get to more um, wrestling-based stuff. And uh, I really liked Seth Rollins and uh, Murphy talking to Samoa Joe during the Natalia and Mickey James match. Uh, this is interweaving stories. Um, it was announced last week that uh, Mickey James was returning and she's going to face Natty at, uh, this, at this previous week's Raw. And so um, it's, uh, it's an interesting way to, to uh, present this return for Mickey James, but I'll get into that more when we talk about uh, the Drew count. But uh, it was cool seeing Seth come out and Murphy talk to Joe, babble at each other for, I don't know, a good few minutes, and then eventually just went into a uh, Seth uh, Rollins, Dominic Mysterio um, story. So I like this interweaving and fluidity of the stories. Um, And then Raw Underground... Uh, really featured the uh, four horsewomen of MMA, which is uh, Jasmine Duke, Marina Shafir, and of course Shayna Baszler was there. Ronda Rousey's the other member of that, but we know Ronda's not with WWE right now. But this is, uh, Raw Underground's a perfect uh, perfect spot for uh, Shafir and Duke because they are these just genuine fighters, just like Shayna is, who can beat anybody up. And this helps get uh, the audience acclimated to who Marina Shafir is and Jessamyn Duke and hopefully starts to build towards um, the MMA Four Horsewomen or at least three of them joining into uh, being a group, a faction, whatever it may be. Uh, I think a lot of us wrestling fans have been waiting for this time where these three are an actual faction and can be a dominant force, uh, which will, looks like they'll be on Raw. And uh, I, I'm really hoping that's what's going on here. Um, moving on to NXT, which ran unopposed to AEW this week because AEW did not have a show on Wednesday night. Um, there wasn't too much that was super spectacular on NXT, which was unfortunate, but the Adam Cole and Pat McAfee segment was really, really amazing. Pat got in the ring, did a great promo, and then Adam Cole didn't talk on the mic at all, but looked super strong by taking out the security, and then got right in McAfee's face and told him that he was going to beat him at um, TakeOver, and this this was all that was needed. I was already super invested in the match, because I love Pat McAfee, I love Adam Cole, and uh, yeah, really, really great segment here out of NXT. Um, and another really great segment came out of um, SmackDown, um, the opening of SmackDown with Vince McMahon introducing everybody to the Thunderdome. Um, then The Fiend came out and uh, had an entrance, the first entrance in the Thunderdome, 
perfect way to debut the Thunderdome, have the Fiend come out. The Fiend has the coolest entrance in WWE right now out of the uh, active wrestlers. Um, I mean, Undertaker always has a great entrance, but the Fiend entrance is just special. Then Braun came out um, after the Fiend and Vince faced off for a little bit. And uh, then once Braun and the Fiend were in the middle of the ring, Retribution came, surrounded them, and uh, the Fiend disappeared, and Retribution started beating up Braun. The rest of the SmackDown roster came out, and they did a couple of stories off of off of this. So um, it's, a, it's an interesting way that uh, this was... Uh, made because the Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles story came out of this segment as well. And then um, the next segment, which I believe was uh, Big E versus Sheamus, came out of that uh, uh, opening sequence as well. So really good writing there. Really enjoyed the uh, beatdown there with Retribution uh, against Braun. And uh, I'm getting more and more intrigued in what's going on with Retribution here. Um, the next thing that I really enjoyed on SmackDown was Sonya Deville's short promo making the match at SummerSlam a loser leaves WWE match. Um, I think this was for obvious reasons because of the, uh, really unfortunate, um, stalker home invasion situation with Sonya that happened, uh, uh, this previous week, um... And so uh, I think changing the match from loser or from hair versus hair to loser leaves WWE uh, is much better because you know the loser, whoever uh, was going to lose, um, and I think it was revealed, although not officially, um, no, and nobody's really confirmed it that Mandy Rose was the other person in the house with Sonya when this um, unfortunate situation happened. Um, so, you know, very tragic, traumatic um, situation. Yeah, not necessarily tragic because they got out in time, but very traumatic situation for both of them. And uh, I think WWE's made the right move by getting rid of the hair versus hair because you don't want somebody, you know, walking around bald and having to deal with that. Uh, you know, physical change on their mental health um, along with this trauma that just happened to them. So good change there, and uh, the Firefly Funhouse, of course, was great. Um, I really enjoyed the Alexa and Braun reenactment, like a Shakespearean play, um, and this uh, really led to the last probably 20-30 minutes of SmackDown being focused around the Braun and um, Bray Wyatt storyline. Uh, I liked how at the end of SmackDown... Uh, Bray Wyatt was um, loaded into the ambulance, but The Fiend came out of the ambulance at the end. Good way to end SmackDown going towards SummerSlam with the most popular character, um, showing his strength, showing his, his uh, unbeatability, basically his uh, um, inevitability, not inevitability, but his... Uh, that he, you know, his invincibility, that's the word I was trying to find, showing his invincibility, and a uh, really good way to make that SummerSlam match seem more enticing. And on to the final wrestling 
show of the week, or at least normal wrestling show, not not a pay-per-view, was uh, AEW Dynamite that, that was on Saturday. This came on after the NBA playoffs were, were on. Um, came on around 6.30-ish. It was supposed to go on at 6. Um, and this is uh, a uh, traditional time slot for wrestling on TNT. So that was kind of fun. Um, I really liked the MJF promo. Uh, and the reason I liked it wasn't because of MJF. It was because of uh, Smart Mark Sterling, which if you uh, listen to Brian Myers and Zach, and not Zach, and uh, Matt Cardona's uh, Major Wrestling Figure podcast, which I do, Smart Mark Sterling is their producer, and he's on there. He's the third host, basically. Um, and he did a really great job as MJF's lawyer. Uh, it's fun to see him as a wrestling character, and anytime he's an extra on WWE, I like seeing him. So he got a pretty good spot here and really knocked it out of the park. And uh, Eddie Kingston also knocked his promo out of the park, uniting uh, former Pepper Parks, so talking about parks, um, he united the Blade, the Butcher, and the Lucha Bros. Um, and Eddie Kingston is so good. Um, whether this is some sort of uh, ploy or whatever manipulative uh, manipulative situation by Eddie, whatever it may be, I want to see more of Eddie Kingston on my TV. Uh, he's one of the guys that I enjoyed when I did watch uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, it was TNA then. Um, but Eddie's just a captivating veteran, knows how to talk, knows how to really sell a, uh, a storyline and event um, on the microphone. And then that was actually followed up by another good uh, video segment with Britt Baker, um, Rebel, Penelope Ford, and Kip Sabian. Um, and Britt Baker <laughs> was giving away free dental care and uh, makeup care for a year to Penelope Ford if she was willing to join their uh, little group uh, against Big Swole, and Penelope Ford accepted, and uh, it was really funny, a uh, nice little let-me-up segment, and you need those in wrestling. You need a little comedy um, to help with the variety show aspect of, you know, it's a television show ultimately. Yes, it's wrestling, but it is a television show, and so you got to have moments of, uh, of uh, levity to just loosen loosen things up. Um, there was a moment in uh, on a Dynamite where Sammy Guevara came out before commercial. He did his typical uh, cue cards, commercial break shtick, and then Matt Hardy started attacking him during the commercial. And when Dynamite came back on air... Um, Hardy was attacking Sammy, and I thought this was a really cool, really good way to um, show that like, like you can't really or you shouldn't uh, zone out during the commercial breaks because there might be something happening in that picture-in-picture -picture screen. Um, and they've re really been trying to promote people staying during commercial and um, watching for the hashtag because they're, they've been doing giveaways you know, because they don't want people changing the channel to NXT, usually on Wednesdays, although this was on Saturday, um, which was, at this point, going on at the same time as NXT TakeOver, so they're trying to retain viewers. Really good strategy. 
and a really good continuation of this Matt Hardy versus Sammy storyline. Um, later on, we saw Thunder Rosa, the NWA Women's Champion, challenge Sheeta at All Out, which I thought was really cool. Uh, I have watched some of NWA, although I really haven't watched in a very long time. Um, I haven't watched since probably, gosh, the beginning of the year, maybe even December. I think I stopped watching before Into the Fire, which I think was their December pay-per-view. So I haven't been seeing what's going on on uh, NWA. Um, you know, they are just on YouTube, but I don't necessarily seek it out. But I really liked Thunder Rosa and her character. They did a lot of video packages for her on, on the uh, when I was watching on NWA uh, Power. Um, and uh, I really like Sheeta. She's my favorite women's wrestler right now. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that match. Um, and then the end of AEW Dynamite. So to me, this was the best segment of the whole wrestling week. It was Cody defending his TNT title against Brody Lee. And Brody Lee totally dominated Cody. Cody didn't get an ounce of offense. Brody Lee wins the TNT title, and then the Dark Order just completely destroyed the Nightmare finally, and to uh, the Nightmare family. And to me, this is finally making the Dark Order a legitimate dominant force in AEW. Um, they came in with a lot of mystery, a lot of intrigue, kind of faded off because there there are a couple of factions in AEW, um, and like being this cult like. Uh, following and now finally they have something to hold the power over AEW. They got the TNT title. Um they've got a bunch of people in numbers. Um Anna J is in it as a woman, so she attacked um Brandy Rhodes and really just well done segment. I was captivated by this segment while NXT Takeover was going on. Like this this segment is what got my attention. So for the wrestling week, that Dark Order segment at the end of AEW Dynamite definitely was my favorite segment of the week. Um, followed up by the Adam Cole and Pat McAfee segment on NXT. So um, two two uh, really fun stories. Um, Promo-wise... Um, I don't know. I I would, it, yeah. I think Pat Pat McAfee's promo was my favorite promo this week. So that's how we'll separate it. The Dark Order is my favorite segment of the week, and Pat McAfee had my favorite promo of the week. And uh, now we're gonna move to my not so favorite things in the week, and we're gonna talk about those in the Drew count. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got that. I can't believe it. Nobody's ever kicked out of that. We'll stick with AEW Dynamite to start off this Drew Count segment, which are my moments to complain about in this week of wrestling, because I really don't have too much to say about AEW Dynamite, um, other than that there were three tag matches in a row to start the show in the first hour. Um, there was just a regular tag, then there was an eight-man tag, and then a six-man tag right in a row. Um, finally, that was broken up by a uh, singles match. And then there was the uh, women's tag team 
Cup tournament uh, finale. So it was another tag match, and then the TNT title. So six of the matches, um, six matches, four of them were tag matches, and tag matches got a lot of the time on Dynamite. Um, the two singles matches that happened, even with the TNT title, maybe amounted to 10 minutes total. Uh, so a lot of time for tag matches. Um, I know that AEW is supposed to be the spot for tag team wrestling, and that's great and all, but like to me, this is too much. That's uh, that's a lot. That is a lot, and uh, not as much variety. And as I said earlier, wrestling's supposed to be a variety show. So with uh, having the same type of match, essentially, things get pretty repetitive pretty quickly. And uh, I think just switching up formatting of the show, really tag wrestling dominated dominated this show. And that, really that's the only thing I, I would change out of AEW. Um, but uh, going backwards... Uh, I guess we'll we'll talk about uh, SmackDown since we <laughs> started with the AEW that actually happened on Saturday. Um, there, uh, another thing with a, a tag match here for SmackDown. Um, going off of talking about tag matches with the AEW, the, there was a weird ending to the tag title match um, on SmackDown with the uh, Canadian Destroyer roll up. By Cesaro. I don't even know how to explain it. So it was Lucha House Party versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro, who are the champions. And uh, I think it was was a Grand Metal League. One of the Lucha, one of the Lucha wrestlers. It wasn't Kalisto because he was on the outside. So it was either Grand Metal League or um, um, who's the other one? Grand Metal League and uh, Lince Dorado. One of them did a Canadian Destroyer, but then, uh, yeah, they did a Canadian Destroyer to Cesaro, but then Cesaro rolled through another rotation and ended up pinning whomever it was in Lucha House Party for the win. Uh, you know, had it looked more smooth, it probably would have been a really cool finish, but it just looked a little clunky, um, and I didn't, uh, necessarily find that, uh, as a good thing. Something else that, uh, I didn't really find as a good thing that probably a lot of people are not gonna like is the Jeff Hardy Intercontinental Championship title win. It's just, uh, I don't get it. I don't understand why it's happening. I think AJ's way better as the champion. And, you know, I'm trying not to reserve too much judgment because, Maybe AJ will win the win the title back at Payback soon. Um, but this was just uh, I this was too unrealistic for me to su suspend disbelief. I mean, in wrestling, you're you gotta suspend a lot of disbelief. Um, but this was too unrealistic. Jeff's knee was hurt from the attack earlier um, from AJ Styles during the Retribution attack to start out SmackDown. Um, and then, also, after Jeff wins the title, they uh, he had a little bit of a promo after, and they cut his promo off. He was still talking, and then his music just played, and that was it. So they ran out of time for Jeff. It was just, uh, you know, not uh, not something that was over overly great. Um, and uh, another thing on SmackDown that I didn't find that was overly great was that Braun Strowman found the Firefly Funhouse. 
I don't know how Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman have both found the Firefly Funhouse. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm just confused. That uh, that's uh, I don't know how how he found it. Usually, nobody really enters the Funhouse. Um, and continuing on with that story outside of the Funhouse, Braun and Bray got into a brawl, and Braun then choke slammed Bray to concrete. But it looked really really bad. Like it looked really really fake. Um, it just did not come off well. Um, so that, that, uh, Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, uh, final segment, final 20 minutes or whatever it was on SmackDown was really, uh, back and forth of really good and really, really not so good. Um, because, uh, you know, the fun, the fun house was good with the Alexa and Braun reenactment, but then... Braun somehow finds the funhouse, attacks Bray. Uh, then he, uh, they're in a brawl, and Bray gets choke slammed to the concrete. But it looks really bad, and just looks really fake. Um, but then the fiend comes out of the ambulance, which was cool. Um, this has been a little bit of a disappointing storyline. Um, the inclusion of Alexa Bliss has made it more intriguing. But Bray and Braun themselves, this storyline has been going on for quite a while, about four months or so, I think, uh, with a couple of just, like, bumps in the road with Braun having other opponents for the Universal title. But, yeah, I think it could be a stronger storyline. And uh, it just uh, really wasn't fulfilling. I mean, yeah, they went off the air with The Fiend coming out of the ambulance, but um, I think it could have been much, much stronger um, especially it being the universal title. And it's the same type of issue with, uh, NXT and the NXT title. They did, uh, NXT title preview, um, in, on NXT instead of having the guys just be live on the show. This is, this happens a couple of times previously on NXT. Um, this should be the most important story since it's the most important title in the brand, why why wasn't cross uh why weren't cross and keith lee on the show live doing a final go home segment i just don't understand why you doing a video package preview for your main event um you know there should be something added to the storyline there should be um something to send people home that intrigues them to want to watch this main event just like you know the fiend coming out of the ambulance uh, so really not a great job of uh, NXT selling this NXT title fight. And another issue with WWE, WWE um, and selling and promoting is Raw Underground. I'm not really sure what the purpose of Raw Underground is just yet. And it's been around for a few weeks. I do enjoy Raw Underground. I wish I had more time. I wish it was on for the last hour of Raw instead of just like three short two minute segments. Um, maybe that's the point of it, of, want, of me wanting more. Um, but it's such a unique presentation. I would like to see it be just an hour of television itself. Um, and I think that would freshen up WWE presentation as well. Raw could be two hours, just like, uh, just like NXT, just like, uh, SmackDown, just like Dynamite for AEW, and then have Raw Underground be an hour, um, and it's still in that 10 to 11 time slot. It can be a little bit edgier. But I don't really know what the purpose is other than just showing 
people beating other people up, and maybe it's supposed to be a different way to build characters. Um, but I'm still just trying to figure out, like, what's what's the deal here? Like, what what is the purpose of Raw Underground? I wish that was a little bit more well-defined. Uh, I do have to say, though, Raw Underground, with Shayna Baszler and uh, Jasmine Duke, Marina Shafir, you know, it's... It's a perfect uh, breeding ground for them. But it was weird that Shayna had a match, and then, (laughs) like, 20 minutes later, she was shown all dressed after her match uh, with Marina Shafir and Jasmine Duke talking backstage and talking with Shane McMahon. Like, there's no way that Shayna showered and cooled down and then got dressed in that time frame. It just uh, didn't make sense the way they edited the show together that way. Um, and I really feel bad on Raw for Natalia and Mickey James. These two women have been around so long. They deserved a lot more um, getting overshadowed by the Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe confrontation. And it was, it's just really unfortunate that that had to happen during the this Natty and Mickey James match. Um because, you know, they, they should have gotten the spotlight like they deserve. Now, maybe this will turn into a storyline with Natty and Mickey being upset that they got overshadowed. And I hope it does because they're both great. They both are very good in the ring. Um, promo-wise, you know, they're not awesome, but they're not terrible either. And uh, I hope it turns into like a bitterness type of factor where it's, Natty and Mickey, or at least Natty and Lana, and they're trying to do something with these women um, other than having their their match interrupted and overshadowed by a different storyline. And on that note, we have a different storyline to move on to for this podcast, and that is to give my overall ratings and impressions of the shows and This Week in Wrestling in The Redrew. In this Redrew segment, I get my overall ratings and impressions of the shows this week in wrestling, but I do not do it in the typical fashion. I don't do a letter grade or a number grade or a star rating or a thumbs up, thumbs down type of rating. I get my own special, unique uh, rating. And so we'll start out with AEW Dynamite because the rest of the show we can talk about WWE. So let's tie up some loose ends with AEW here. And uh, Dynamite was actually a a pretty good show. Um, It had some good moments. Uh, It felt uh, pretty fluid. It kept a good pace. It had a great finale. And that is why I'm giving AEW Dynamite the rating of a relay win. Because in a relay, that's what happens. The baton gets passed from one person to the next. And... You need a great, uh, great finisher, a great, uh, great uh, runner, great leg kicker, uh, great leg kick at the end for some for that team to win. And uh, I think it was a pretty successful show for AEW Dynamite. And that ending was awesome with the TNT title and then the Dark Order just destroying everybody. Best segment of the week in wrestling. 
and uh, really, really strong finish. As for WWE, we uh, started the week off with Raw on Monday. Raw started out very fast. It was a very fluid show as well. The whole time, it flowed very well together. I gave Raw this week the rating of a frenetic pace because right from the get-go, it started out with... uh, um, with the retribution stuff going on, with the different production errors, and, um, uh, not, well, I guess not necessarily errors, but definite, uh, presentations and whatnot going on. So this frenetic pace started, and it just continued on throughout the show of, um, AEW, or not AEW, of, uh, Monday Night Raw. Uh, Now, AEW, Dynamite, and Raw were definitely the two best shows of the week. Moving to the next two shows that weren't so great. um, And uh, especially um, SmackDown. Yeah, we'll go with SmackDown next. um, Just for the purposes of fluidity here. Um, SmackDown... Uh, it was spotty at times, especially that ending segment with Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. Um, it was mostly good, had some, had some strong moments in it, for sure. Had some good, strong moments, but I'm giving SmackDown the rating of cell service, because sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes it's spotty, usually it's pretty good, um, and, uh, Sometimes it's a very strong, a very strong signal, very good. Um, so SmackDown was kind of a off and on show, um, but then there was NXT, and NXT was a big time disappointment here this week on uh, Wednesday night, running unopposed. They had a real chance with no opposition whatsoever to have a really, really great show to gain viewers and to have a strong build towards NXT TakeOver to get people to watch. Um, but they really just had an average show, and that's unfortunate. And that's why I'm giving NXT TakeOver, or not TakeOver, um, that's why I'm giving NXT um, just the regular episode of Wednesday night this week, the rating of a missed breakaway shot, because that's what it was. You know, they had a great chance to score, and they didn't. They didn't, in my opinion. But let's move forward and continue to talk about NXT and um, chat about NXT TakeOver. Um, it started out on the pre-show with Brizongo versus Danny Birch and uh, Oni Lorcan versus Joaquin Wilde and Raul, Mendo- uh, yeah, Raul Mendoza. This was a triple threat tag team match. For the number one contendership for the tag team titles, this was actually a really, really short match. It felt really rushed. They didn't get a lot of time. They got less than 10 minutes. Uh, Brizongo won by a super kick um, to Raul uh, Mendoza to become the number one contenders for the tag titles uh, against Imperium. I like the decision with who won. I just wish they had more time, and uh, they really should have gotten more time. And even though the Kickoff shows for NXT TakeOvers are only 30 minutes. You could have given a lot of time here to uh, this triple threat tag match, and it's unfortunate that they didn't. The uh, pay-per-view main show, whatever you want to call it, um, 
opened up with uh, showing Vic Joseph with Corey Graves, and Corey Graves ended up calling the show. Um, Corey Graves, I remember, the very first NXT pay-per-view. It wasn't called TakeOver yet, I don't believe, at that point. I think it was Arrival. Um, NXT Arrival, Corey Graves announced that he was moving on from wrestling because of injuries and concussions. He can't wrestle anymore because he was a superstar. He was a talent wrestling on NXT um, before all of that. Um, And then he said, you know, he's moving on to do commentary. Um, So really his commentary career started out at um, NXT Arrival, which was the precursor to TakeOver. It eventually became TakeOver. Um, but, you know, an NXT pay-per-view. And then Beth was at home. So I think I got a little bit of clarity on the weird situation with what the NXT announce team has been doing with just showing, like, one person in in the arena and then the other two people being away. So Beth was at home, but Vic and Corey were on, uh, were on the commentary for uh, live at the Performance Center. Or no, it's at live, uh, full sale, sorry. Um, and it was really cool to hear Corey call on NXT again. It was just very uh, nostalgic. And uh, sometimes nostalgia is good when it's uh, in small doses. And this shortly certainly was. And I really enjoyed it. The uh, main show started out with Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher. This was a decent match. Nothing super special to me. Solid way to start the show. Finn winning was great. Good decision. Um, and that's really all I have to say. Then it moved on to a North American title match, which was the latter match. I was really interested in seeing this match. I liked Bronson Reed's Bam Bam Bigelow gear. I liked the Candice LeRae uh, spots in the middle of the match. And uh, Damian Priest, as I predicted, won. He was the right choice. There were a couple of brutal moments during this match. Everybody worked hard in it. Everybody got a good spotlight in it uh, for some of the match. And uh, Damian Priest winning definitely does, uh, he definitely had the most to benefit from this. You know, Bronson Reed and Cameron Grimes. Um, Bronson Reed, I don't think he's quite there yet to hold the title. Cameron Grimes is more of like a comedy character, so he doesn't necessarily need a title. Velveteen Dream and Johnny Gargano are already superstars, uh, already won the NXT title previously. They didn't need it. Damian Priest was the only guy that really made the most sense because he's been in NXT for a while but really hasn't done too much. Um, And he's right in that sweet spot of putting the title on him and making him a bigger deal. Um, So really great decision with uh, Damian Priest there. Then the next match was uh, Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. And this was a super entertaining match. Uh, Pat looked really good, actually. For his first time, and of course Adam Cole is awesome, so, um, you know, I'm sure Adam Cole helped lead Pat through the match, but Pat followed along great. Um, I don't think Adam Cole carried Pat McAfee. Uh, he probably did a little bit, but it didn't seem like that. But Cole made Pat look really great. This match was a lot better than I expected, and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. I love Pat McAfee. Matt McAfee, I know he's a great athlete he's highly entertaining he's great on the mic but i didn't expect him to look that good in his first match 
um, <laughs> ever. Um, and to me, honestly, this was the most entertaining match uh, of the whole weekend and of the whole week. Um, and that might be sounding crazy to some people, but, you know, different strokes for different folks. I really loved this. This was the best match of the SummerSlam weekend for me. Um, it was the one that had me most captivated and most interested, and that's what wrestling is about. Moving on to the NXT women's title, this was a very hard-fought match between D Dakota Kai and Io Shirai, um, the rhyming name of their uh, match. Th this match should have been called the Rhyme the rhyme match. Um, this was definitely Dakota Kai's best NXT performance so far. She's going to be a star. I liked the end of it with Raquel Gonzalez uh, being confronted by Rhea Ripley and them staring each other down. Uh, this is a little confusing because I thought Rhea Ripley and Mercedes Martinez and the Robert Stone brand were in a feud. So not really sure why Rhea's going after Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, but uh, other than just like, you know, the sight of two uh, imposing women... Um, facing off against each other, which I'm, I'm excited to see, but I'm actually still more excited to see Rhea Ripley and Mercedes Martinez. I hope they get their due first, and this was kind of just planting the seeds for Gonzalez versus Ripley. Of course, the show, NXT TakeOver 30, ended with the NXT title match. I loved Karrion Cross winning. It was a very nice surprise. Um, I didn't necessarily expect Keith Lee to lose. Um, I'm glad he did um, because Keith just won the NXT title. So I figure he was probably going to get a pretty decent win over Karrion Cross here. Um, but Cross winning was, was very cool. Now the match itself, not all that great, but I think that's because Karrion Cross uh, was reported to have sustained a sh uh, an arm, a shoulder injury during the match, and you know that never helps. You gotta protect yourself, and your opponent has to help protect you um, to make sure you don't get injured any further. I hope it's not a bad injury, and it's uh, and that this doesn't lead to him having to drop the title because that would be super unfortunate. Um, and I have in my notes here, um, poor Keith, what's next for him? Because he really lost a lot of his luster after uh, the Royal Rumble weekend, basically. Like, he was kind of, he wasn't floundering, but he was definitely on a slight decline. And then he won the NXT title, and then he now he loses it in his first defense at TakeOver. And I was just like, what the heck, uh, you know, what's next for him? Of uh, course, later on in uh, SummerSlam the next day, we saw that there was a promo for Keith Lee and that he's heading to Raw. So that's good. We saw Keith Lee, that he's moving on to Raw, that there is something else more for him. Because at NXT, I don't know, it just seemed like there, there didn't seem like there was much. Overall, TakeOver was a fine show. It was really well booked. All good decisions. Brizongo winning... Uh, Finn Balor winning, Damian Priest winning, Adam Cole winning, uh, but Pat looking great in it, um, EO winning, and Dakota looking great, and Karrion Cross winning. Um, 
all very good decisions. That's one thing that NXT you could really rely on is NXT making sound, logical decisions to further what they're going to be doing on in the future. And that's on wrestling, uh, that's uh, kind of a lost art in WWE and in wrestling is what is next because there is always something next. There's always another show. There's always an, another pay-per-view to build to. Um, you know, there's no off-season, so there's always something else that you got to start building to to get more viewers. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a decent show. It definitely was not the best takeover, um, but it was all very well booked. And uh, we can now move on to SummerSlam. And uh, um, it started out SummerSlam on the kickoff show with uh, Apollo Crews retaining the U.S. title against MVP. This was a fine match, nothing spectacular. Um, Nothing really surprising. Apollo won. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's about it. The SummerSlam pay-per-view itself started out with the SmackDown Women's title match. Um, Bailey versus Asuka. Bailey retained the title. Um, this match was fine. It wasn't anything spectacular, um, either. Um... I don't really have too much to say about it. I did write in my notes here, wanting, uh, waiting to see the match later to see if there was any more further development. And, uh, yeah, just a pretty standard wrestling match. Um, fine with Bailey retaining. Um, and uh, because Bailey has been on a tear here. And I was really fine with either way of what happened with this uh Bailey, Sasha, Asuka storyline. Then there was a Dominic Mysterio, Rey Mysterio, and Mrs. Mysterio promo. I don't remember what her name was. Um, it was fine. It was good. Um, and uh, we'll move on to the Raw Tag Team Titles match. Street Profits versus Angel Garza and uh, Andrade. This was another decent match. Nothing great. Pretty predictable. Of course, the Street Profits were going to win after um, it was revealed that Zelina Vega um, poisoned Montez Ford. <laughs> I didn't see a way for um, the Street Profits to lose after one of their guys gets poisoned. That's just, you know, not right. Uh, the next segment was pretty interesting with uh, Bailey and Sasha and Kayla. Kayla Braxton interviewed Bailey and Sasha, saying that they were going to. Uh, have a clean sweep of Asuka after Sasha wins her uh, Raw women's title match. Um, uh, and we'll talk about that later. The next match was uh, Mandy Rose versus Sonya Deville. Now this was, I thought, supposed to be a hair versus hair match and a loser leaves WWE match. Um, I guess they just outright changed it to loser leaves WWE this match seemed kind of sloppy, um, but I'm not going to be too hard on this one because both of these women have gone through a lot in the last week, and I think really the main goal was, you know, they got a singles match on SummerSlam, which is uh, a feat in itself because it's the second biggest show of the year. So that's awesome, and I think just generally most people were rooting for this match to 
go well and be well just because of what had happened with Mandy and Sonya in their personal life. Um, you know, it was kind of a bummer that the shaving didn't happen, but I understand why. Uh, just the communication with WWE, and maybe I misunderstood. I thought it was still a hair versus hair match, and you know, whatever, I'm fine with the decision. This uh, Mandy beat Sonya. I thought that was going to be the scenario anyway. Uh, Sonya would have looked fine uh, with a uh, with a bald head, but this gives Sonya some time to, you know, take some time off and um, recoup from the traumatic scenario that happened. Who knows if we'll be seeing Mandy Rose a lot. Um, I would bet probably not, um, because she probably is going through a lot um, personally with that same scenario. So was really hoping that this match turned out a little bit better, but it wasn't terrible either. The Seth Rollins-Dominic Mysterio match followed that. It was a good match. It was slow-paced. It had a nice emotional element with the uh, Mysterio family storyline. It went the way that I thought it would. Seth beating Dominic. Um, pretty pretty um, predictable. I didn't see Dominic in his first match beating Seth Rollins. It's, you know, the same type of thing with Pat McAfee and Adam Cole. I didn't think Pat McAfee was going to win. Um, I mean, you know, depending on the scenario, but this one's more standard scenario with Dom's going to be there for a while, so, you know, it, it wasn't likely that Mysterio was going to be, uh, Dominic Mysterio was going to be a uh, multi-time world champion. Um, so Seth winning, right decision. Then we had the Raw Women's title match uh, between Asuka and Sasha Banks. This was an okay match. It was not as good as the Extreme Rules match. Um, so I had a lot of expectations for this match. Um, you know, Asuka had wrestled earlier in the night. So I can give it a little bit of a break there, a little bit of a pass. An another pretty predictable story with Sasha losing the title and Asuka winning. Um, I didn't necessarily think, um, Sasha and Bailey were both going to walk out with their titles. Um, usually when somebody has two matches like Asuka did, they at least win one of them. Um, you know, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, law, uh, is really the only one that's won both matches, but that's because it was, you know, to get into a title match when it's been scheduled as two, like, uh, Bret Hart at uh, WrestleMania 10. He lost his first match to Owen, won the main event to win the title against Yokozuna. Um, Seth Rollins a few years ago at uh, um, Night of Champions. He lost to John Cena. He lost the U.S. title, but beat Sting for the WWE title uh, to retain the WWE title. So s stuff like that seems pretty predictable. Um, and hopefully this is going to begin the splinter between Sasha and Bailey, but we'll see next week because, um, well, well, we'll get to that. So we'll move on to, um, the WWE title match with, uh, Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. I actually really liked the finish of this match. Um, it was, uh, kind of a swerve finish because the tagline of the pe of the pay-per-view You'll Never See It Coming was based on the Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton story because both of them have uh, finishes and finishing moves that can be just done out of nowhere. You know, RKO out of nowhere, uh, Claymore out of nowhere. 
Um, but Drew McIntyre won with a backslide. An RKO was not hit. Uh, Claymore was not hit in the match. And I thought this was a clever way to end the match. It could continue the storyline. Uh, it could be the end of the storyline. Whatever it was, really, really good booking in this match. You know, you'll never see it coming. Well, you know, we didn't see it coming. It was it was just a backslide. It just ended a backslide. A very nice surprise win. Drew keeping the title I'm good with. I would have been fine with Randy winning too, but I think Drew winning um, and beating Randy, it doesn't hurt Randy, and it helps build Drew more. Then we saw that Keith Lee Raw, uh, to Raw promo, which I mentioned earlier, so we'll skip over that. And the main event was the Universal title. Now, this match felt uh, very uneventful. Um, I honestly was expecting Alexa Bliss to show up, and she didn't. She wasn't involved at all, which is a little weird, because she'd been involved in the last like month of build-up for the match. Um, in my notes, I just wrote, huh. You know, like, kind of, just like, hmm, that's a little off. Um, the Fiend kind of just won the match, you know. There wasn't too much action. Um, but I think that's because there was a, a lot of similar matches on the show already. There, You know, there was a street fight. There was a no DQ match. This was a false count anywhere match. Um, so we had already seen a lot of, you know, violent stuff with weapons and kendo sticks and chairs and that's kind of what happened with this match i was i didn't even realize it was a false count anywhere match until they announced that it was false count anywhere uh on the pay-per-view so i don't know when that changed but i expected them to go all over the thunderdome and i was hoping that's what would happen but no they kind of they put people uh braun hit bray through um, so a barricade, which we've seen before. They tried to, uh, Braun tried to put Bray through the announce table, but it didn't break. Um, we just saw more in other matches, you know. The Seth Rollins match, uh, and the Dominic Mysterio match, they had the, uh, you know, the handcuffs at least. And, yeah, I know there was, uh, the box cutter and the tool kit, and that was a nice little, um... Uh, use of philosophy and psychology to introduce that toolbox early on in the match and then Braun goes back to it later and rips up the ring and um it just was kind of weird though you know uh Braun rips up the ring but then gets did in by it because uh Braun uh gets sister Abigail on the the wood on the uh two by fours um on the boards for uh, two or three times and then loses the match it kind of just ended like it, it it felt very lackluster um which is how i felt about this whole SummerSlam, um this whole SummerSlam pay-per-view it was pretty lackluster like there wasn't anything that was super captivating um it was very very predictable like really really predictable and usually SummerSlam has a few more surprises in it um, that happen. Um, granted, SummerSlam did have a surprise, which I am getting to, but the matches itself, it was just kind of just like, you know, a pretty standard, yeah, standard set of uh, pay-per-view, a standard set of matches. Nothing overly surprising happened. 
nothing was super captivating. Um, and then, of course, at the end of the pay-per-view, the swerve, the you'll-never-see-it-coming swerve that we now actually know was Roman Reigns returning. Um, but by the time this happened, uh, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, that happened. I wasn't very excited to see Roman. And uh, the past like month or so, I had started to be thinking, like, oh, you know, I'm really missing Roman Reigns, but I don't expect to see him back for anytime soon while all this COVID stuff is going on because he's uh, he's in a risk group. You know, he had leukemia. So his immune system, he's immunocompromised. And uh, I'm... Uh, it was good to see him, but I also wasn't, like, overly excited because I thought of the reality of it. Like, um, I, what makes it different for him to now be here at SummerSlam and back on SmackDown, more than likely, um, than it was at the Performance Center? Like, because it's a bigger arena, or did Roman just finally give in and... I hopefully I hope it was his decision and he made the call saying like hey I want to come back because it was ultimately his decision to say I don't want to be wrestling right now you know I don't like the way things are run here at the performance center and m- maybe that was the difference that it wasn't at the performance center any longer and it was at this arena and maybe Roman can have his own dressing room and be kind of quarantined off on his own um and he made the decision to do that I Really, really hope it was his decision and his call to um, come back. And apparently this was held in uh, great secrecy that not even the writing team or a lot of people knew what was going on, that Roman was returning, which is a good secret. But, you know, to me, I think it was just more of a unfortunate circumstances. Like, had there been a crowd, uh, it probably would have been a lot more exciting. But at this point, I was just like, oh. Okay, cool. Roman Reigns is back. You know, and Roman Reigns is the uh, poster boy for WWE. He is the man. He is the guy. He's, you know, whatever you want to call him. And he was saying a lot of that stuff in the ring. You could hear him. That's what he was saying to Braun. That's what he was saying to Bray. He, you know, basically grabbed the title and said, like, this belongs to me. And you can't uh, carry the load like I can. This is my show. This is my, you know, universe, basically. Uh, so I liked seeing the fire there in Roman Reigns, and it'll be interesting to see what he does next. Um, but we'll talk about what he possibly does next in our next segment, which is the What You Gonna Drew Brother segment. We are not done with the podcast yet. Usually, that probably would be the end of the podcast, but we have another WWE pay-per-view to preview, sort of, um, (laughs) coming up this week uh, on Sunday. So, literally, WWE is doing back-to-back pay-per-views with SummerSlam this previous week and uh, Payback this coming week. Now, there are no matches (laughs) that are announced, so it's... Uh, interesting to talk about nothing. Um, there is the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match, which I believe has been announced. It's Sasha and Bailey defending against... We don't know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what I'm going to talk about here is 
what I would like to see. Um, you know, with Sasha and Bailey in their match, hopefully this is leading to uh, some friction. I can see it going either way. I can see them retaining and them sticking together for a while until Royal Rumble and then things really start to break apart. Or maybe it is now the time to break break Sasha and Bailey apart. Um, I don't think it is. I think there's still still a lot of equity in them building and building and building and building and building and then eventually breaking up. I think their Bailey sasha Banks match should be at WrestleMania next year um, and not anywhere else. So I hope this is a little bit of a um, swerve, sort of, to make it look like, oh, maybe there's some friction, and then they end up winning and, you know, holding the titles for a lot longer. I don't know who they're going to face. Um, man, I, I think I'd like to see them face the Iconics the most because they're a legitimate um, women's tag team. Really the only legitimate women's tag team. I mean, there's Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, but, uh, you know, they were thrown together. But, they, I mean, they've been together for quite some time now. Um, but I see the Iconics as more of a team. I see Nikki Cross and uh, Alexa Bliss as singles wrestlers in a team. Uh, you know, just in a partnership. So there's that. Based on what happened at the end of SummerSlam, I'm guessing there's going to be a universal title match. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Roman Reigns versus The Fiend, or if it's going to be a triple threat match, Roman Reigns versus... Uh, Bray Wyatt uh, and um, Braun Strowman. Um, but I, I'm assuming Roman's going to be involved in some form and fashion. Um, and it would be, you know, it would be really unfortunate for uh, The Fiend to lose the title one week after he won it. I can see a lot of people complaining about that and freaking out if Roman Reigns... If it if it's a triple threat match and Roman Reigns pins Braun Strowman, people are going to lose their minds, I think, uh, about The Fiend losing the title without getting beaten. I mean, that is the way to... a good way to beat The Fiend, uh, to protect him, and to give him something more to feed off of and, uh, go towards, um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, it would be weird to have Bray just win the title and then the next week lose the title, um, in a weird transitional champion thing, like, if that's the case, might as well just keep the title on Braun and then, um, have Roman beat Braun at Payback, um, and even if it's a triple threat match, have Roman beat Braun and uh, have The Fiend not be involved in the pinfall to protect The Fiends. Because losing the title, I think, does hurt The Fiend a little bit. Um, I mean, it does protect him, but it takes a little luster off of The Fiend. Whereas, had he not won the title, had WWE not booked themselves into this scenario where he wins the title... Um, you know, if if the match at SummerSlam ended in a different way with The Fiend not winning the title, I'm sure there would have been a little bit of outrage, but not as much as if this coming week at Payback he loses the title in a triple threat match without getting pinned. 
Um, so a lot of stuff could happen there. Um, let's see, Raw-wise, maybe it'll be a Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio match. I could see that uh, happening, probably. Um, it's weird with SummerSlam having, or Payback being right after SummerSlam, because usually SummerSlam is the culmination of storylines. Um, but maybe it's going to be Payback. And uh, I was really hoping to see something happen at SummerSlam with Retribution, and it didn't. Retribution did not show up at SummerSlam, which you would think, oh, this is the second biggest pay-per-view of uh, WWE's year. Why wouldn't Retribution attack that? They've been attacking Raw and SmackDown. Why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they make themselves known at a bigger stage? But maybe with the name Payback, the pay-per-view, which I don't think Payback's been a pay-per-view in a while. Um, maybe two or three years. I don't think there's been a Payback uh, pay-per-view. But maybe here at Payback, Retribution is going to reveal themselves. Um, and that would be interesting because, you know, Payback, Retribution, it means the same thing. They're just in different words. So maybe there'll be a combination of this Retribution storyline and the... the Payback will go off the air with Retribution making themselves known, or at least, you know, the leader making themselves known, or one person making themselves known of who is in Retribution to get a little bit of a culmination for this storyline, get a little bit of, um, um, uh, what am I trying, a fulfillment, there it is, I uh, started through it, but trying to get some fulfillment out of this storyline, um, Let's see, what else on Raw? U.S. title match. There'll probably be a U.S. title match. Probably someone with MVP and Apollo again, or the Hurt Business, some sort of that form. Uh, Raw tag team title match. Maybe. Maybe just uh, Angel Garza and um, Andrade asking for a rematch. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe Asuka versus Shayna Baszler at Payback. Or Nia Jax versus Asuka, or Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler. Maybe something like that will happen. Um, SmackDown-wise, AJ Styles will probably get a rematch against Jeff Hardy. Hopefully he'll win the IC title back, the Intercontinental Championship, because I like AJ as the Intercontinental Champion. I think it's good for his bad guy character. Um, I already mentioned the Universal title scenario. Uh, SmackDown Women's title will probably not be defended um, because Bayley is the SmackDown Women's Champion and she'll already have a match with the uh, WWE Tag Team Championship. SmackDown Championship, uh, Tag Championships, uh, Cesaro and um, Shinsuke will probably defend their titles, I would have to guess, if something happens. Um, but otherwise, there's a lot unknown about this payback uh, pay-per-view. They kind of just randomly announced it last week um, during the week of wrestling. So they're just like, oh, hey, by the way, payback coming up uh, next week after SummerSlam. Like, oh, <laughs> that's weird. Like, next Sunday, here's uh, payback, by the way. Uh, don't, <laughs> like, no re no build-up whatsoever. They're, they're literally getting a week of, like, two weeks total, one, you know, one focused week of, uh, um, uh, of, uh, uh, build up. Uh, so it's really intriguing of a pay-per-view. I don't have high expectations. 
And maybe that's good because SummerSlam, I had high expectations because it is SummerSlam. I'm expecting it to be great. I'm expecting for it to be unpredictable in a sense. I'm expecting it for it to be uh, the culmination of storylines. And uh, that's not necessarily what it seems like it was. Payback, because of the lack of build, um, I really have no expectations. And it'll probably end up being uh, pretty good and exceeding my expectations because... uh, I'm not expecting it to be good whatsoever, but we'll talk more about Payback next week. Hopefully it'll end up being a, a, a good show. Um, but uh, for now, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to me uh, and just send me some of your thoughts um, or any ideas or anything you thought I missed or anything like that, or you just want to interact with me in general, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at DWOPod. Or you can send an email um, to DWOPod at gmail.com. Uh, give the show a like, a follow, uh, subscribe to the show, share the show, retweet the show, Send in your comments, leave your reviews, send send me an email. Um, all that is uh, awesome support. I'd much appreciate that. If you want to further support the podcast, you can do that on the uh, Perfect Catch uh, podcast SoundCloud page and just click the support link. Or you can go to the DWO, the Drew World Order anchor page and click on the support link, and that would be much appreciated. Uh, whatever gets put there i'll just put right back into the podcast whether it's for promoting or getting better equipment um but uh i really enjoyed doing this podcast uh regardless if there's one person listening or 100 or 1000 or you know 1 million which you know eventually hopefully we could get to that point because i really do enjoy talking about wrestling and i would like to enjoy talking about wrestling with other people, um, and us just building this positive, interactive, uh, um, community where we can talk about our love of wrestling. Um, I appreciate everybody who has listened to this. Uh, thanks for your support and just doing that. And I hope your listening experience was Drew Sweet.